Hey everybody, this is Jamie Nunley, lead pastor of Victory Fellowship Church. Thanks for listening to the VFC Sermon Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download our free VFC Thomasville app, where you can access all of our messages, sermon notes, announcements, and small group lessons. This app is the easiest way to keep up with everything going on here at VFC. So please enjoy the following sermon. We hope it encourages you in your walk with Jesus and helps you to belong, believe, and become. Enjoy. All right, good to see everybody. Wow, wasn't worship awesome? So good, so good. I'm excited about kicking off our new series called Worst Christmas Ever. Um, you know, as the video said, you know, we, we often like romanticize the first Christmas and it was just so peaceful and serene and it was so wonderful. Y'all, it was hard. It was difficult. And so what we're going to be doing is talking about uh, what might possibly have been the worst Christmas ever, which is the first Christmas ever. You know, have you ever gone through the holiday season and you just have like the holiday blues? You're just not feeling it. You're just not happy. Uh, maybe you're disillusioned a little bit or depressed or disappointed or discouraged. Maybe the holidays brings up for you memories of the death of a loved one. Uh, maybe it brings up regret um, over what you should have done or bad memories or sometimes Maybe it's not that, that big of a deal. Maybe sometimes things just don't go your way, right? I, I remember several years ago, uh, the flu went through our house uh, around Christmas, and uh, I was the lucky last one who was completely just knocked off my feet with the flu on Christmas Day. Uh, and Tiffany remembers that night because, like, I'm the kind of person when I don't feel well, like, just go somewhere else. You know what I mean? Like, just get away. Tiffany's the kind of person when she didn't feel well, she wants me to be there. And I'm like, but I don't want to get sick. <laughs> uh, but so I, I'm sending everyone away. So I took over the bedroom. This is my area. Y'all, you know, y'all enjoy Christmas. Uh, I'm going to be up here. Uh, and Tiffany remembers sleeping on an air mattress in, like, the kids' playroom, like barely able to see the Christmas lights across the hall thinking, this is not fun, right? Maybe you've had situations like that, that that, that you thought, man, this is just not great. Um, This series, what I'm going to attempt to do is to share with you the keys to avoiding having the worst Christmas ever. And we're going to take a fresh look at the Christmas story and see what we can learn from it. The pregnancy... The emergency and the nativity. That's what we're going to do over the next three weeks. We're going to look at those three different aspects of the Christmas story. And we're going to see how they coincide with the keys to avoiding the worst Christmas ever. Here they are. Here's how we avoid this. You have to adjust your expectations. You have to embrace God's perspective. And then you have to repurpose your pain. That's the key. Maybe you're being tempted right now thinking this is going to be the worst Christmas ever. Well, you've got to adjust your expectations. You've got to embrace God's perspective and then repurpose your pain. And this morning, we're specifically going to focus on adjusting your expectations. And we're going to look at the story of the pregnancy of Mary, the very beginning of the Christmas story. Um, And we're going to talk about disappointment. You know, disappointment occurs when what you hope for isn't what happens. That's what it is. You have an expectation, 
and your expectation does not match reality, that's when you have disappointment. That's when you get discouraged, right? You expected one thing and you got another. When our expectations are exceeded, we, we call that being pleasantly surprised, right? Oh, this was better than I thought it would be. But when our expectations aren't met, we're often disappointed. Here's the thing. You'll usually find what you're looking for. You will usually find what you're looking for. If you expect something to be bad, you'll be looking for something bad, and you'll most likely find something bad. You see how that works? If you're looking for something good, it works in the other way. If you're looking for something good, if you're expecting something good, you'll be looking for something good, and you'll most likely find something good. And so our expectations have a lot to do with, with our peace, with our contentment, with our mentality during the Christmas season. So, if you're disappointed, if you find yourself disillusioned, if you find yourself depressed during the holiday season, asking yourself the question, what was I expecting? It helps identify why you feel the way you do. What was I expecting? Man, this is just one, this, this, I'm not happy right now. Well, what were you expecting? You, and you can actually, there's a power tool available to you. This is, this is crazy. You can actually, before you head into family gatherings, <laughs> before you even get to Christmas morning, you see all those presents, and you're like, man, I really hope that whatever is there under the tree. Before you even come to that point, you can go ahead and pre-decide that you're going to be okay, whether your expectations are met or not. And so I encourage you guys, this is a key. And we can look at how Mary and Joseph adjusted their expectations through the pregnancy of Mary. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the scripture this morning. I want you to pay attention, you know. The Christmas story is one of those passages that we're all pretty much used to. If you've been to church at all or grew up in church, or you've, you, you know the story. You can probably rattle off the facts. I encourage you, though, as we do this series, as, as, we, as we go about this series, that you, we take a fresh look at the Christmas story. Okay, So I'm going to start in Luke chapter 1. You can follow along. I'll be in the New Living Translation. If you have our church app uh, under uh, the, the sermon notes, will be the passage as well. We're going to read verses 26 through 35. It says this, and I'm, just, I'm going to read, but I'm going to give some commentary as I read. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, okay, real quick. <laughs> Elizabeth is a relative of Mary, and she is eventually going to be the mother of John the Baptist. You may remember John the Baptist. He didn't. He wasn't called John the Baptist because he attended First Baptist. All right, he was called John the Baptist because he baptized people. Right? You can say John the Baptizer. Okay. Um, and so he wasn't arranging potlucks and stuff. He was baptizing people. Okay. So John the Baptist uh, was born to Elizabeth, and, and he was the forerunner 
the precursor to the Messiah. And you guys remember he had, he had a crazy diet, crazy clothes, and he went out into the wilderness and he said he prepared the way of the Lord. He, he, he proclaimed, get ready for the Messiah. And so, uh, that, so it's, it's interesting that Jesus and John the Baptist were related, okay? So we had just read about Elizabeth's pregnancy. That's why it says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Okay, real quick, let's talk about a few things. If you ever see like the paintings or the sculptures of Mary, she's, she's usually, she looks like she's in like maybe her upper 20s, maybe her early 30s, and she's like a picture of grace. She's just so beautiful. And guys, Mary was about 13 years old when this happened. Do you remember 13? Or are you like me and did you repress all those memories? <laughs> 13 was not a good year, right? Awkward. I mean, this is like the end of middle school. So we have a 13-year-old girl. It says, it says engaged here in the New Living. The, the word, you may have heard this in the King James, betrothed. So engagement or betrothal was different back then than it is now. Okay, so back then you had a little, probably a little tiny ceremony between two families that was a betrothal ceremony. It was a promise. It was a promise to be married. It was the marriage was probably most likely arranged between the parents. And it was and it was where they made basically a legal contract saying, hey, these two kids are going to get married. And then this betrothal process, this engagement process, it wasn't so you could book the caterer and get the photographer and pick out, you know, where you're going to go. Uh, it was actually a season uh, where the, the, the young girl, 13, 14, uh, would learn about, okay, here's what's going to happen. Here's how you take care of the household. Here's how you raise children. Here's how you cook. Here's how you clean. Because women in that day were homeward oriented. The man would then, would then go off and build his house. They'd build a house for the new couple. This would usually take nine to 12 months. They honestly didn't see much of each other. They didn't live together at that point, but the man was legally responsible for his betrothed wife. So you had all the responsibility of marriage and none of the fun. <laughs> so this is the situation Mary and Joseph are in right now. They're in, they're in a, a transition Okay, so they've been promised to one another. They've had their little family ceremony. Uh, they are planning a big feast. The wedding feasts would, would last about a week or so back then. Wouldn't that be awesome? Uh, and, and so they're planning for the feast. Joseph is building the house. Mary's like, okay, here we go. And then that's where we pick up verse 28. Gabriel appeared to her. Gabriel's an angel. And said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. I love this, verse 29, confused and disturbed. <laughs> you know, sometimes like, we think, I just want to hear from you, God. Okay, get ready to be confused and disturbed. Because he doesn't always tell you what you want to hear, right? Confused and disturbed. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. What do you mean, favored woman, the Lord is with you? What? 
Verse 30, don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, that doesn't trigger any thoughts when you hear that, but to Mary, who had grown up going to synagogue every day of her life, she knew what this meant. As soon as uh, he talks about Son of the Most High, the throne of the ancestor of David. He will reign over Israel. He'll have. She knew this was the Messiah. She was like, "Wait, what? The person I grew up my whole life praying for, for this person to come. You're saying I'm going to be his mother? What?" And then she asked a really good question. Verse 34, Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. It's a great question. Verse 35, the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. Put yourself in Mary's shoes for a minute. 13 years old, you're just trying to see if you can make an A on the spelling test, right? I mean, you're betrothed, really young age. That's what they did in this culture. You're excited, little little concerned. That's like plenty for a 13-year-old girl. But all of a sudden, an angel appears and says, Hey, you know that Messiah you've been praying for? The Savior of the Jewish nation, the savior of the world, you're, you're going to be his mom. You're going to conceive. And she's like, um, I'm a good girl. How am I going to conceive? Because we're betrothed, but you know, we're not married. He's like, no, the, the power of God is going to make this happen. Not the plan of man. Wow. Think about how this affected her life. I mean, unexpected pregnancy, it, it, it makes a big difference, right? I mean, I mean, Tiffany and I, we weren't expecting our first child, but thankfully we were married and we were, I mean, it was, so we were like, okay, cool, I guess we're doing this. We had the five-year, two-kid plan. We waited eight months and had three kids. It just did not go <laughs> according to plan, right? Uh, and so, so this is what's going on. I mean, think about... The scripture doesn't talk about this. Think about Mary's parents. Think about she had to tell her parents that she was pregnant. And she could say all day long, no, it was an angel. And they were like, yeah, right. I'm sure Mary's dad was furious. I thought you were a good girl. I thought you knew how this worked. Right? Think about Joseph. We'll read about him in just a minute. Having to break the news to him. Think about the community. So Nazareth was a really, really small community, right? Very Country, small, not one of the major cities. Think like Wiggum. As a matter of fact, once Jesus is, is on the scene and ministering, someone says, yes, Jesus of Nazareth. And, and one of the disciples says, Nazareth? 
what good can come from Nazareth? Not that y'all would say that about Wiggum, but you get my point, right? <laughs> Barwick? It's supposed to be Barwick. <laughs> hey, we got people from Barwick that go here. <clears throat> and Wiggum, actually. See, who can I not offend? It doesn't matter. Pavo. So let's, so Coolidge. <laughs> Albany. <laughs> Albany's too big. So what, so here's the thing. You, you know how in Thomasville, we're a small enough community that everyone knows what you're doing before you do? Okay. So how much more was it for Mary? Nazareth literally was anywhere from 100 to 500 people max. It's just a couple, just a few hundred. Very small community. All of a sudden, I mean, how many young women of marrying age were there? All of a sudden, the one, they, oh yeah, they're betrothed, and she's got the baby bump, right? Do you know she was ridiculed, she was made fun of? You know, Jesus was actually made fun of when he went back to his hometown. The Pharisees actually said, we know who our father is. You know that? And so, look, Mary was having to very quickly adjust her expectations. Finding favor with God was ruining her life. Think about some of the things that she went through. Verse 29, it says, Mary was confused and disturbed. Some translations say greatly troubled, very perplexed. It's, the Bible often, uh, in, in trying to describe things, it, it almost like understates she was greatly perplexed. I mean, do you ever go home and like, well, I'm just greatly perplexed today, right? She was freaking out. She, she, she was like, what in the world's happening right now? Like, like you, have you been like that before? Have you ever been trying to follow God and you thought that meant everything was going to run smoothly for your life? But you end up greatly perplexed. <laughs> what in the world, Lord? Right? She was confused. She was disturbed. Mary was afraid. Verse 30, the angel said, do not be afraid. You know why? Because she was afraid. Yeah. I mean, it was a scary thing to be visited like that. Have you ever been gripped with fear? Has the thought of the future ever filled you with anxiety? You ever been not sure about what's going to happen? Mary was uncertain. Verse 34, she goes, but how can this happen or how can this be? How, how's this going to work, Lord? You ever been told by God to do something? You're like, okay, like I'm game. Count me in. But how is that going to work? Right? So, just like Mary, we've all had to change our expectations. Where we thought we were headed, what we thought we were going to do, we had to adjust. And we had to have a good attitude about it as well. Let's look at Joseph. Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 25 is the account of Joseph from his perspective. It says this, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 19, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so she decided to break the engagement quietly. Okay, just so you know, in the Old Testament law, um, not being a virgin when you got married could get you stoned. This is a big deal. And so Joseph had every legal right. What he would do is he would uh, go to the gates of the city, the town, the village, and he would say what happened. 
And then he wouldn't do it, but the elders of the city would stone, stone the girl. Aren't you glad the laws have changed? Aren't you glad for grace? So he had every right to do that, but it says that he was a righteous man because showing mercy is righteous. He was a righteous man. He didn't want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. He's like, okay, I can't believe you did this. Um, we're just, we're just going to dissolve this before it goes any further. Mom and dad, find me a new wife. Right? That's his plan. That's what he's going to do. I'm not going to turn you in. I'm not going to uh, you know, make it a legal matter. We're just, we're just going to reset and restart. As he considered this, verse 20, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, which, by the way, was a callback to his ancestry. Joseph was in the direct lineage of, of King David. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Here's a quote of Isaiah, verse 23. It says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. Thanks for that detail, Matthew. Great. And Joseph named him Jesus. Wow. Talk about adjusting your expectations, right? I mean, all of a sudden, everything is going just the way you're supposed to. Joseph had probably gone to a trade school uh, to learn most likely carpentry because we know Jesus uh, was a carpenter as well. And you usually follow, follow in your father's footsteps. So he's learning carpentry, woodworking. Also with that would be stonemasonry as well. Um, and so, so he's finished school. He did everything he's supposed to do. He's a, he's, a, he's a good Jewish boy. He's grown up now. He's in his upper teens. Joseph probably would have been 18 or 19. His parents say, all right, it's marrying time. We found this great girl. She's wonderful. Mary, he's like, oh, I've seen her, you know, at the, at the, at the water fountain or whatever. I've seen her in synagogue. I've seen her wherever. And so he out there making fun of me. Water fountain. Just go with it. So, <laughs> so, so he knows this girl. He's like, look, this is exciting. I'm starting my life. I'm starting my life. And then all of a sudden, he finds out his betrothed wife is already pregnant. And he knows it's not him. Scandal, disappointment. Well, what, what are the things, and this isn't, this isn't in the scripture, but you know this happened. What are some of the things that Joseph's dealing with here? Hurt and betrayal? Have you ever been betrayed by someone close to you? You ever been wounded by someone else's actions or their words? I'm sure he felt anger. Have you ever been mad at people? been mad at someone and they just ruined your plans. It was supposed to go this way and it went this way. Doubt. I guarantee you, 
See, Mary got the angel right in front of her. Joseph got the angel in a dream. I guarantee you at some point later on, he was kind of looking at her like, she make this up? I guarantee you. Joseph was just, he was just a man. I'm sure you've dealt with those things as well. We have to adjust our expectations. I, uh, I want to go back to how Mary responded. I, I, I cut short of this verse, and I have it up on the screen behind me. I want you to see Mary's response. I want you to see her response to all this. After the angel's shown up, after, and I think this is the key for us. As we're looking at the pregnancy this week, we're going to continue on through the story in weeks to come. And as we're talking about expectations, how, how managing expectations, adjusting our expectations is so key, right? I want you to look at what Mary said in response to the angel's message. Luke chapter 1, verse 38, it says, Mary said, Behold, look, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Behold means look, or okay. It means, it's a pause in the conversation. It's a, it's, a, it's, it's a way to draw attention to what you're about to say. It's saying, okay, hey, I, I belong to God. She says, I'm the handmaiden of the Lord. I am the bondservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Whatever you guys want to do up in heaven, however you want to make this work, this is messing with my plans. But whatever you want to do, I'm willing for you to do. She says, I am the servant. Some translations say, I'm the handmaiden. I'm the bondservant. I am the slave. The word here in Greek is doule. And it's where we get, if you've heard the word doula, which a doula actually oversees childbirth. So the word that she uses, I'm the doule, is, is, is what we use now for someone who oversees childbirth. You know, God wants to birth something in you. It's probably not the savior of the world that's already been done. But he wants to birth something in you. For some of us, he's, he's, you're in a season, he wants to birth character in your life. He, he is asking you, he's like, look, I know you're, you're, you're wanting to go minister, you want to go overseas, you want to go start your ministry and print up your business cards, that's great. I want you to be a man or woman of God first. I need you to go through some things, learn how to adjust your expectations, be okay when things don't go the way you want them to, be faithful when no one else around you is faithful. I want to work on your character. I want to work on the inside. For others of you, he wants to birth ministry. He, he, he's asking, for some of you, he's asking you to do stuff, and you've been putting it off for so long. You're like, really, Lord? He's like, yeah. Been telling you. You've been disobeying. God wants to birth something in you, but only once you say, look, I'm the servant. I'm the doula. I will oversee this childbirth. I will oversee this, Lord. Only once you're willing to adjust your expectations to give in and say, yep, okay, put me through the pregnancy. Take me through this process. 
That's what God wants to do in us. You know, we often call a pregnant woman expecting, right? So what are you expecting? What are you expecting? Look, most likely, an angel of the Lord Gabriel is probably not going to show up at your house tonight. I mean, he may, if he does, like take a video. (laughs) At the very least, text me. Most likely he won't, though, but I know that God is calling you to do something. Something. I know that God is calling you to be someone. What about you? What are you expecting? What are you birthing? And my question for you this morning is, are you expecting what God is expecting? Are you learning to adjust your expectations? Are you learning to line up your will with his will? Are you learning to say no to the world and yes to the kingdom of God? You know, Jesus in the garden, he's about to get crucified. He knows exactly what's about to happen. So much so, it says that he is sweating drops of blood. And he says, Lord, if there's any way You can take this cup from me. Please do it. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours. Yours be done. Jesus teaches us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He starts out this template of a prayer for us agreeing and saying not my will but yours whatever's going on in heaven lord that's what i want here some of you the lord's asking you to pray for loved ones and you haven't because you're afraid to pray for their healing like what if they don't get healed well you pray anyway you're not the healer he is right adjust your expectations well what they say about me i don't know who cares right i mean Are you expecting what God is expecting? Are you willing to birth what God is asking you to birth? Let's stand for prayer. If you will close your eyes, take a moment. If if God appeared to you, an angel appeared to you and asked you to do something crazy. Messed up your life. Gave you a bad reputation. Made people who love you angry. Would you do it? Some of you are like, only if an angel showed up. (laughs) Yeah, me too. I mean, I, I get it. It's a tough question. You know, that's why this first Christmas ever was possibly one of the worst Christmases ever. It was hard. It was tough. It was messy. Y'all, following Jesus is not always easy. It's usually messy. What are you willing to do? Where are you willing to go? What are you willing to say? Is your life your own or does it belong 
to him. Have you been crucified with Christ? Where are you this morning? Thank you, Lord Jesus. I want to lead us in a prayer where we commit. Just like Mary said, so be it unto me. Whatever you say, Lord, that's what I want. I'm your servant, so let it be to me according to your word. Let me lead you in a prayer where we make that commitment. If you will, pray this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you that you came, you died, and you rose again so that I could be in right relationship with you. I don't want this to be the worst Christmas ever. I want this to be the best Christmas ever. And that doesn't depend on my environment, my circumstances, or what anyone else does. It depends on my obedience. So I commit to you. I'll go where you tell me to. I'll say what you tell me to. I give you permission to work in my heart and do whatever you want for your glory and for your purposes. I belong to you and I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening to the VFC podcast. If you live in the Thomasville area, we would love for you to connect with us in person. For more information about our weekly gatherings, including service times and directions, just visit us at bfcthomasville.org.